Hi, I'm Greg Waite, Director of External Partnerships and Experiential Learning at NYU Wasserman Center. And this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each alum has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We are excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to All in a Day's Work. My name is Yebuji, and today I'm speaking with Nazio Nobumoto Lipschutz, founder and managing principal at Aspire Intelligence, and she's also a professional public speaking coach. Nazio, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Could you brief- briefly tell us about your experiences before coming to the NYU? Yeah, before coming to NYU, I was working for a Japanese company called Itochi International. It's a huge conglomerate. And I was a business development manager at steel department and pulp and paper department. And especially when I was working there between 1995 and 2000, the Japanese economy was about to decline. And that's when I joined. So I guess lucky enough, I was busy. It was very interesting that I was one of the very few, or if not only, Japanese woman in the steel department doing sales. So I had some challenges. It's because of the working culture, the gender issues, or sales in general is a very challenging Mm -hmm. job. Yeah, I I think it was all of that. One time I visited a Japanese steel company in Japan as a business trip. I was with my boss and I presented my business card. And of course, my boss presented his business card and the other person took my boss's business card, not mine. Okay, well, I'm a newbie, you know, I'm young. So, okay, that's, that's fine. And it happened again elsewhere. There is a Japanese saying, nail gets hammered. So if you're sticking out, you get hammered. So I learned that early on. Do you feel like that's part of the reason you want to come to the U.S. to have a new environment? Like what made you decide to apply to STERM? So when, when I was in college in Japan, I took a year of um, exchange program at Washington University in St. Louis. And at that time, I learned about something called MBA. <laughs> I just had a Uh, genuine interest. So after I went back to Japan, I called up some top MBA MBA schools and I called the admissions office and they said, well, do you have any work experience? I said, no, I'm still a student. And they said, okay, then you come, come back after gaining three or four years of work experience. After five years working for that company, I thought, I wanna have a fast track to the top management. And back then, 1995 to 2000, the top management were still all Japanese male expats. There were so many local hires who had been working for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and they were still doing some paperwork. And I didn't want to be that. 
that's when I decided now I have some experience, work experience. Now is the time to apply for MBA. I know you encountered some difficulties to actually get into the school. Ah,、uh, right? yes. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah. So when when I applied for the first year, I didn't get in. So I tried for the second year. I was waitlisted, and I knew exactly what the reason was. So it was my GMAT score, and I did it did it again for a second time, fifth time, and sixth time GMAT score went up. So I thought, okay, well I'm now I'm gonna get in, or I'm I'm gonna get off the waitlist. One month passed, nothing happened. Two months passed, still no news, and I decided to talk to one of the former. Start an MBA grad, and he said, "Well, you're applying to a business school. It's business, so you gotta present yourself.、Uh, if you, if this were a real business and you have a a big deal coming up and nothing nothing's going on, are you gonna just sit there and do nothing? No, right? Do something about it." And then I thought, "Okay, back back then I lived in." Uh, Union Square, so only a few few blocks away from NYU, and and I decided I'm gonna make something and hand deliver that something. And what would what would that something be? And the only thing I could think about was to make a presentation highlighting my strength, and my strength was about the communication skill. So I put it together, and and I went to the admissions office without any appointments because it was after all the interviews, all the evaluation process, and they wouldn't take any appointments. So I just went there, and I was hoping I would see my interviewer, Julia. So I was standing outside the admissions office by the by the toilet, <laughs> by the bathroom. For about forty minutes, back and forth, you know, looking really suspicious, but you know, trying to pretend like, oh, I'm just hanging out. And Julia shows up after forty forty minutes, and I go, oh, hi, Julia. I just came. I just I just came here to bring this to you. And this presentation shows my strength and how I can use my communication skill to bring conflict to consensus, no matter what values. Teammates have so please take a look at it. That was about thirty seconds of my pitching, and I handed that presentation. Went home. Next day, I got a phone call, and that was the admissions office. And the first thing they said was, "Welcome to NYU." So, do you have a clear vision, like what you're gonna do after the graduation? Not at all, <laughs> not at all.、Um, but as an MBA student, there are two major paths, right? Investment bank or consulting. So, as I was going through the summer internship, I, I started to get interested in management consulting. It wasn't that clear, but I wanted to do something. Um, strategic, strategic consulting. Yeah. Okay. So now you have been working in Japanese companies and the U.S. companies. What's the difference? What's the difference of your experiences? Oh yeah, it's huge difference. Well, as a cross-cultural communication strategist, I always talk about this. Simply put, our communication is categorized into two types: high context and low context. And in high context culture, people rely on context. So it is not necessary or even inappropriate to spell everything out directly or explicitly.
So people read between the lines, right? And in Japanese, we say kuki o yomu, or read the atmosphere, so that the, the group harmony or、uh, sense of security are all maintained within the group. On the other hand, low context culture, people rely on verbal messages. So there's no room for inferences. That means tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them what you've told them. And they also tend to focus more on individual excellence rather than group harmony. So Japan is considered to be a very high context culture. And US is considered to be very low context culture. So there is a huge difference between the two cultures. So there are a lot of misunderstanding, miscommunication, and, and even mistrust. People hear someone say, oh, that's difficult. Japanese would interpret it as, oh, okay, this person is saying no, but. Uh, this person doesn't want to、uh, disturb the harmony or offend me or be too direct. So he's telling me、uh, no in a very indirect way. So I need to read between the lines and understand what he really means. It, it's your job to understand what it really means. But in a low context culture, or US, or e- even, even more lo- low context is Germany or Switzerland,、um, they would think difficult. Okay, that's challenging. So, if I get this job done, I'm going to get promotion or I'm going to get you know, praised. So, let me try harder. And it's like an iceberg. So, the tip of the iceberg is what you hear and what you see, but that's not all. So, what's hiding under the surface is the why. Why they say what they say and why they do what they do are all hiding under the surface. And if you Apply your own familiar why to judge what you, you see or hear, then you're going to create a huge misunderstanding. How did you navigate into this different type of communication styles? Yeah, it's always a trial and error. Even if you have some basic knowledge about cross cultural communication, it's still a trial and error. And in my case, I didn't know this cross cultural communication theory. When I came to the US. So it was a lot of trial and errors, and I made so many mistakes. The biggest mistake I made was with Japanese people, actually. It was 2004, right after I started my own consulting firm in New York, and I was hired by, let's call him Mr. K. And Mr. K was a chairman, 65 year old former Japanese government official who's Now, the ch- chairman of this 400 year old Japanese traditional company. And he hired me. He, his company wanted to com- come into the US and he wanted me to do、uh, strategy consulting. So I said, great. And I did my regular、uh, market research and analysis. And Mr. K had his own strategy and he told me all about it. And after my research, I decided, oh, his strategy is not going to work. And I thought, Okay, well, he hired me. So if I spell everything out and very clearly, as a strategy consultant should, he'll understand. By the time I have been in the US for about 10 years already, right? I'm Japanese, but I also became very Americanized as well. So I presented my strategy to Mr. K very logically, very explicitly. Well, this is, this is why your, your, your plan is not going to work, and this is why mine should work. The next day, I get an email from him. 
just two words, call me. And, and I said, oh, he must love my strategy. He wants to talk to me right now. So I call him up. And another two words, come today. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So I go to his office. And the first thing he says is, who do you think you are? And I'm like, uh, I'm your consultant. You hired me. Who do you think you are? In my head, right? <laughs> I didn't say that. And then, long story short, he goes, you're fired. So what happened there? Thinking back right now, with my knowledge in cross-cultural communication, I was way too low context. I was too logical, too direct. I basically presented the complete opposite plan to him in front of his team, and I embarrassed him. That kind of mistakes I often see with so many global leaders, because your common sense is not common sense in the rest of the world. What can the students learn from the story if we have the possibility to enter an international workplace, or those workplace contains a lot of cultural diversities, mm -hmm. what the students should prepare for. Yeah, so I talk about the three-step process of effective cross-cultural communication. It's called the three A's. And the first A is acknowledge. Acknowledge the fact that their iceberg may be different than yours. Your common sense may not be so common. So acknowledging that is the first step. And the second step is to analyze. In my training or keynote, I talk about cross-cultural models, including high context, low context, and, and, and some other tools. And, and that way, you can analyze the cultural difference. What's going on here? What's the difference? Why? And how big the difference is? It's a second step. Then you have to adapt your communication. So how do you adapt effectively? Takes a long time to learn, uh, trial and error. But one thing, if I may highlight, is active listening. And active listening is not just listening actively, but ask strategic questions. I call that good questions. Ask good questions so that the other person will be enlightened or realize, oh, that's interesting. And the good questions encourage the other person to think deeper, look for answers within, and provide the information, especially in cross-cultural uh, environment. So that's, those, are, those are the three A's, acknowledge, analyze, and adapt. Overall, I think the fourth A may be very important as a foundation. That is attitude. So you might have heard of yes and. It's, a, it's often used in, in improv. Field. You accept the information from other person and build upon it without immediately dismissing that, that, that idea. So in cross-cultural situations, you face a lot of differences in values, opinions, perspectives, or communication styles. And when you, when you face the difference, you want to accept it. So be curious, have a yes and mentality and follow the three A's. So that's the advice I can give um, to students and global leaders uh, who are facing cross-cultural issues.
I know you personally encountered some difficulties, hardships, once、uh, using your English as second language、mm-hmm. to do the public speaking and to do the presentation. Yeah, well, it was the first day on my MBA, the Stern MBA, and everyone was supposed to introduce themselves. Simple, right? And my last name. Is L so I my turn was right in the middle, so I listened to the the people with A and B right, and everyone sounded so perfect and confident and professional and funny, and I started to get really really nervous. And in my head, I was simulating what I was gonna say, and I was preparing, and I was sweating under my armpits, and you know, I was so nervous. And my turn comes, I stand up, and the first thing I said was totally different than what I was simulating in my head. And then I froze, and that felt like ten minutes of freezing time, but it was probably just two seconds. At that moment, I hated public speaking, especially in a foreign language. After I graduated from from MBA and faced the reality, I had no choice but to to learn public speaking. So I joined Toastmasters. Toastmasters really taught me so many things. But if I just highlight one thing, that you show your Vulnerability, and I thought presentation was about being confident and be a preacher, even. And you have to be knowledgeable, and then you teach your audience what you know. Yes, part of that is true, but you are not perfect. And if you portray yourself as a perfect speaker, then you are not relatable. So, the way you connect with your audience is the story, your story about. Your hardship, your, you know, failure, your flaw, and the first time you did something, you know, it, it was so terrible or frustration, and only through these personal stories you can then connect with your audience. Public speaking is one-on-one communication expanded, so it's like simultaneously having coffee with your friend, many friends at the same time. When I learned that, I really. Thought and I want to share this learning with a lot of people. So that's how I became a professional speaker and and presentation coach. You know, be professionals. You have to give a very strong, optimistic、mm-hmm. kind of attitude, and but you know how to combine these two together. Yeah, the key is in what I call one big message. So when you tell a story as a professional, you're not just telling a story to vent. You have to have a message. So, what message do you want to deliver through your story? So that's professional speaking, and that's exactly why that that's the only reason why you tell a story. So, through a story, you can capture the other person's heart, or they can、uh, you you can elicit emotion. And when the emotional door, the door to the heart, opens up, then people are more receptive to your idea. Then. You 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 deliver your message along with your story. Then the message is received and acted upon. We talk about communication skills across culturally, and we talk about public speaking, how to overcome the fear of speak up in the public. And I think now、uh, a lot of students are facing the first step to get out of their cocoon to talk to. 
uh, alumni, uh, talk to someone uh, like great in their industries to make the connections, make the networking happen? Do you have like a particular suggestions towards us? Yeah, um, find some ac- accountability partner. You know, someone who's also interested in learning and practicing, right? And having an accountability partner or group is really helpful to keep you motivated and keep your words because you, you need to be accountable accountable for yourself and for your accountability partner as well. So there's synergy going on and you get to practice and you can give feedback to each other and learn together, right? So I, yeah, I really um, suggest finding an accountability partner. I think it's very important to ask these questions nowadays because now the AI-driven information, mm-hmm. I know everything can be fake uh, nowadays and we don't even need someone to do public presentation anymore. We just show them the videos. Mm-hmm. So, but why why you feel like the, the ways we communicate, people communicate, it's still very important and essential in business or in work workplace? First of all, I think public speaking is an art form. It's not just to deliver information. If you want to just disseminate information, you can send uh, some documents by email or you can have AI write your articles, right? People have been telling stories for thousands of years. We still tell stories. Why is that? Because people want to feel connection. I think the emotion opens up the door. I mean, I'm saying even in business, but because, especially in business, if you want people to buy your service or products or buy into you or buy from you, then you need to get connected on a personal level. Because there are so many choices out there, why do they have to choose your company, your product, your services? They have to feel connection. They have to feel that, oh, I'm making the right choice. They feel good about it. AI can't do that. So only human can create the emotional connection with with human. It, it, It will never die. And trust your message. You can change the world one message at a time. Natsuo, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today and share your experience with the NYU community. Well, thank you for having me. This has been Yebuji with another episode of All in a Day's Work. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal Handshake through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Yebu Ji with episode guest Natsuo Nobumoto Lipschutz. We are produced by Sarah Rothenthal and Yebu Ji. Edited by Yebu Ji. And created with support from the NYU Wasserman Podcast Fellows. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening. <laughs>